today to delve into the latest e-financial careers report on compensation in the financial services industry with none other than the CEO of e-financial careers, Peter Haley. As we all know, 2023 has been and continues to be a challenging year for financial services professionals. This comprehensive survey-based report is a valuable guide both for candidates and recruiters and is compiled from three and a half thousand responses, very recent responses between February and March 2023, and it spans across all the major financial hubs, the US, UK, continental Europe, and in Asia, Singapore, and Hong Kong. Let me welcome Peter Haley, who has a very impressive background. He's been with eFinancial Careers for five years. In the past two years, he is the CEO. Peter also serves as an investor and advisor on a global platform called the Get Optimal that is focused on promoting uh, diversity and inclusion in job ads and candidate uh, selection. Welcome, Peter, and thank you for being with us to discuss this uh, financial services salary and bonus survey. Thanks so much for having me, Effie. Really uh, delighted to be here. Now, let's dive into some of the key highlights and maybe some surprising insights that uh, the report um, has to offer us. I want to start, Peter, by looking at the revenue generating job functions in financial services, like sales, trading, and investment uh, banking. How are these uh, uh, job functions, these professionals compensated this year, 2023, which obviously has been and continues to be a challenging year, did they feel the squeeze? Uh, does the data show us anything surprising? Um, yeah, I mean, the data clearly shows that the, um, the those in the revenue-generating functions are the least satisfied with their compensation. I mean, we know that the market worsened through 2022. So for us, it's not that surprising that they aren't that happy. I mean, we ran a survey around um, compensation expectations for this bonus round in uh, in Q3 of, of last year. And we felt that expectations were really high in comparison to what we were seeing in the market. Um, so I think what was surprising is that the investment banking divisions pay seems to be relatively flat year over year um, uh, and actually up on a medium perspective. So um, it would seem that the investment banking division has kind of been cross-subsidised by stronger revenues in sales and trading. Um, and also the increase in the median would suggest that um, uh, senior bankers have forgone some of their bonus um, to protect the, the bonuses of more junior bankers. Um, sales and trading um, respondents were particularly unhappy. I think many felt that they had a really good year last year. I mean, you can see that those revenues were strong, um, but their bonuses didn't really reflect this. Um, I think what was surprising to us also was that the most satisfied of all were the equities researchers. Um, 
Uh, uh, now, we've got a couple of theories on this. They, they saw big increases in, in 2022, so still probably 23 in comparison to 21. It still looks okay. Um, but also, if you think about we're in a tougher market right now, and so salespeople need a story to take to their customers. And obviously, the, the research functions really provides that. So we believe they're probably being protected um, in a tough market because they bring a lot of value when maybe the transactions are, are less. Interesting. I want to, to now switch to the other side of financial services, um, looking at operations uh, first that definitely have felt um, insecure in their jobs. And, and yeah. this is well documented. It's expected, I guess, with all this uh, uh, task automation that is accelerating. What about their compensation? And in general, the other job functions that are non-revenue generating in, in financial services? Yeah, I mean, re really interestingly, they're the most satisfied uh, with their pay of the non-revenue generating positions. So in our survey, over 49% um, uh, were actually satisfied with their pay. Um, now, according to our data, um, they are the, the lowest um, paid of the non-revenue generating roles. So, you know, they're almost on a par with compliance but 12% below kind of broader financial roles, 17% below risk and 20% below tech. Um, so, you know, they're at the bottom end of the scale, but but really interestingly, we predicted uncertainty for, for these area, for this area. Um, but actually, if you look at Q1 job numbers, they've been really robust. Um, we believe that's because there was a lot of new products created, um, especially on the buy side, um, in um, 2022, and they require operations um, functions to scale those products. So actually, whilst there is still long-term uncertainty brought by uh, the digitization of the sector, actually it's been, as a function, it's been more robust than, than we expected. So um, yeah, it's, it's definitely some, some differences to what we kind of expected in, uh, in the first half of this year. There is a lot of nuance and detail that's extremely valuable um, in, in this uh, report. And uh, I mean, obviously, if we had unlimited time, we would cover all those details. But in the interest of time, let's uh, focus on a couple more uh, um, what I, I think are important topics. Talking about the overall working conditions in financial services, especially in terms of long hours, which our industry is, is well known to be notoriously long yeah. hours, especially in, <laughs> in investment <laughs> banking. Has anything changed there? Any improvements or, you know, overall, whether it's working hours or um, compensation packages that have improved? Well, definitely working, our, our data shows that working hours um, have improved. Uh, I mean, the, the function that captures all the headlines is the investment banking division, right? So we saw uh, juniors speaking of 100-hour work weeks, um, you, you know, in 2021. So actually what we've seen is that in investment banking uh, divisions specifically, 
um, the average has gone from 70 hours per week to 60, which is a meaningful reduction. I mean, it's still a very long working week in comparison to, to the norm. Um, and we see that's been driven by a couple of things. So increased hiring through 2021 and the first half of 2022, but also, um, you know, deal flow has reduced. Um, so yes, they're still working very long hours, but um, there has been a, a correction. Um, the pressure isn't there from from overload. Exactly. Now, to, to most people, a sixty-hour working week would still be pretty high pressure, but but obviously um, there's a definite um, correction. Um, I mean, next up, kind of equity research at fifty-five hours and trading at fifty-one hours. So, um, you know, it is still a kind of it, it, you know, high uh, pressure environment. Uh, but when you move to the non-revenue generating areas, you know, you're in, you're talking about the low to mid 40s. Um, so, uh, you, you know, overall, there has been a push back into the office through kind of 2022 and the start of this year. So I think that is a change um, to a kind of, um, an unwritten uh, benefit, as, as you like. Um, and we're certainly seeing kind of comments around that, that um, you know, people would really accept lesser pay for more flexibility from a, from a um, kind of hybrid working perspective. Very interesting so, to hear that, that it's happening in financial services because it hasn't been, you know, that uh, similar to other industries, right? Let's talk about um, tech and quant uh, jobs on uh, in in our industry because obviously, as you already mentioned, in 2021 and maybe half of 2022, there was clearly a talent shortage for these types of uh, skills. Now we are in a different situation with all the the sizable tech layoffs from from big tech companies. The question is, are financial services, the big providers, taking advantage of this softening and recruiting talent? And how has this affected the pay and total compensation of, of these job functions? Yes, they have. I mean, um, especially if you look at the second half of, of 2022, where big tech was making all those layoffs. And if you think about the locations of... Um, uh, you know, of, of where that talent sits for some of the major institutions, they were definitely getting a benefit from a cooling of the market. Um, that said, engineering and quant roles are still hard to fill. So it's not like it's become easy overnight for um, for financial services firms to, to fill those roles, but the cooling definitely helps. Um, and what we saw kind of first half of 2022 was you know, technologists especially able to command 20% plus increases for moving roles. That's definitely a dynamic that has changed. Um, so that's probably um, you know, had an impact. But I, I think what we are seeing is that there is more nearshoring going on. Um, I mean, there's always been a move to, to an offshoring perspective, but I think the nearshoring um, to lower cost locations than say London, New York, um, you know, Paris um, to enable, um, you know, technologists to work more remotely, if not entirely remotely. Um, so there are um, um, 
you know, there is a bit of a correction there on the tech salaries. I wouldn't say technologists are getting um, huge pay cuts. Certainly, their their the base salary um, has been has been robust. Um, I, I think one thing to note that financial services uh, needs to be aware of, and your kind of um, real experience in the fintech space, is definitely grumbles from um, technologists within traditional financial services around the tech stack they're working on. Um, and we know that's ultimately very important for technologists, you know, for both job satisfaction and future-proofing their skills. They want to be working on cutting-edge technology. Um, so there's definitely, um, you know, individuals in the in the comments through the survey that are that are, that are pulling that up. You know, what about uh, the buy side versus uh, the sell side? I mean, let's concentrate a bit on the buy side and what the report shows there, because the buy side has always been a kind of darling of financial professionals. Yeah. Uh, does the report show any kind of evidence of myth busting uh, of, of, of this sort of perception? Yeah. Well, I, I think, yeah, interestingly, the, the average um, pay between the two is, is almost identical. When you take into account hours worked, and um, then there is more of a differential, but there's certainly not the, um, the differential that, that maybe individuals think. I think, um, so yeah, it, it would suggest that you're expected to work less hours uh, than if you're on the, the sell side. And I think... Um, yeah, it probably was a little surprising how close the kind of average comp was. Um, but you know, the buy side is still really attractive, right? When you think about um, benefits around kind of, you know, culture working practices and the career path that you can, you can take as you move um, to the buy side is still very, very attractive. Um, so I wouldn't say just looking at the pure kind of it kind of average compensation tells the full story. I mean, obviously, once you get into some of the uh, um, the kind of real success stories, um, there are um, the the pay and, and the perks um, available on the on the on the buy side are, are still pretty significant. Especially since uh, the sell side doesn't have any more the proprietary trading uh, opportunities yeah. uh, post the, the the global financial. Um, uh, crisis exactly uh, yeah. Um, yeah less regulation there's all sorts of uh, uh, different factors at play that, that do make it a natural career progression um, for, for lots of individuals so um, that includes both the hedge fund industry and, and private uh, equity yes. uh, industry that um, um, is is really alive and, and, and strong in terms of... Yeah, absolutely. It's very aspirational um, for... Um, I mean, they're very hard to get into, right? So the... Um, but but obviously, if you have a, a background within one of the, the, the top-tier investment banks, that, that really does stand you in, in good stead, typically. So it's, a, it's quite a well-trodden path um, to cut your teeth on very long hours at one of the leading institutions and then um, move to to the buy side. Yeah, yeah. Peter, if we look overall at um, um, compensations, breakdown, um, the percentage 
of salary versus bonuses. You know, I've I've had the first part of my career uh, on the sell side, and uh, it was always the case that the bonus was a much larger had a much larger weight than the salary. Yeah. I I assume that that's the case, but how? are the differences of the revenue generating jobs, you know, the sales trading and so on versus the non-revenue generating jobs, those proportions, how, how do they compare these days? Yeah, it's still, um, as you suggest, the, the kind of the, the kind of revenue generating positions, as you would expect, are far heavily weighted. You'll be pleased to know or anybody can get cares about regulation and compliance. Compliance are the least weighted from a bonus perspective, according to our data, so 19%. Um, if you then look at the kind of the, the rest of the non-revenue generating positions, you know, operations, risk, tech, um, um, they're around 25% um, weighted toward bonus. Um, with quants and, and uh, kind of broad finance, um, both at 32% in the survey. Um, then once you get into um, the uh, revenue generating positions, you've got um, kind of equities research at thirty five percent, investment banking um, thirty nine percent, and um, sales and trading, as you would expect, is the highest at forty eight. Up to what? Up to sixty percent. Well, so on average, it's at um, at forty eight percent, but once you get to a more senior level, it it you know it, it really ratchets up so um yeah kind of the average is is 48 but i mean there's obviously stories of traders who are earning more than uh bank ceos and and they can kind of sometimes skew the numbers but um yeah it's um it is um it's really significant and and again back to my point earlier um that's why these are the folks who are perhaps not as happy right now because they've got more um, weighted on the variable, and so when bonuses are are less um, uh, are cut, then they, they feel it more. Yeah, yeah. Either that the, this compensation or report is has a lot of detail. I mean, it covers uh, nine job categories. We mentioned some of them: sales, trading, other with operations. It looks at five job levels. Uh, you know, from analyst all the way up to managing director. It looks globally to the major um, financial hubs and then the buy and the sell side. Can you share with us whether the data points to what are the best sort of jobs in financial services? Uh, best being a very subjective term, right? Um, so I, I think... If you break it up into kind of the, the best paid, clearly um, in the report shows that um, you know the most paid by hour hours worked is, is clearly those in sales and trading. Um, I mean, no surprise there. No. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, uh, but you know, obviously, hours worked are you know are, are pretty significant, and in, the investment banking decision gets a bad. Uh, kind of wrap in, in this area. Um, but if you think about um, the investment banking division, your opportunities beyond your immediate role are 
are, are really significant, right? So, you know, whether that's, you know, we talked about um, moving to the buy side, but you see a lot of investment bankers taking on really kind of, um, you know, pretty impressive careers in totally other industries, moving to, um, you, know, fin you know, fintechs, et cetera. So um, there, there's, you know, there, there is a real attractiveness around the career path. Um, you know, if you've been working on, you know, MA or, or ECM, DCM. Um, so uh, if you don't want to work 50 plus hours a week, then the quant roles, um, um, uh, you know, typically are, are the, the best kind of beyond that, you know, um, and at risk is really well paid for the amount of hours um, that you work. So those roles, depending on, you know, your requirements for engagement with either the sales function or customers, you, you might get more flexibility as well. Um, so I, I think what was really interesting in terms of location was that actually at the junior end, Europe's actually um, uh, surpassed London in terms of pay. Um, and um, at, at that junior end of the market, um, I mean, New York... And, and also, Peter, when I was looking at the report, it seems that there's more um, democratic fairness or, or better distribution across, you know, the very junior functions and, and, and you know, the higher uh, managerial functions yeah. In, yeah. in Europe. Yeah, in Europe and in Asia, actually. So the differential between an MD versus... Uh, um, you know, an, an analyst is is um, is much closer in Europe and Asia versus um, New York and London. Um, so yeah, you're right. Actually, um, uh, you know, I think so. It, the data also shows that once you get to director MD level, London and New York are still far far ahead of um, of, of, um, of of Europe and, and Asia Pacific. So. Um, yeah, for sure. There's definitely more equity across um, the the roles or across the levels. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Peter, I mean, as you said, best jobs is very subjective, and obviously yeah. it depends on the point of your career that you're at in terms of uh, what these valuable insights, um, um, you know, offer us. And uh, again, there's subjectiveness in the culture and in the yeah. career path and so on. But um, it's it's an evolving market. As we said in the beginning, it is a challenging year for many industries and for the financial services industry. But there are a lot of uh, opportunities at the same time. And um, this uh, uh, compensation report is really... Uh, I would say a report uh, that uh, sheds light on knowledge that is not uh, known, is not well understood, and there's a lot of detail in here that is is very uh, valuable. And I'd really like to thank you for the insights that you you shared and and for the work that the eFinancial Careers is doing uh, in this industry that is really in an evolution, right? A, a big transformation. Yeah, thanks, Sophie. I really enjoyed the, the conversation. I, I hope some of your um, followers and viewers um, got some value from, from some of those insights. I mean, that's what we're trying to really do is empower 
individuals to make better decisions, whether that's organisations trying to attract talent or individuals thinking about their uh, their career. Thank you very much, Peter. Thanks, Evie.